Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Sons and daughters of the living God, a happy Sabbath. And today we're going to talk about the fourth priority in our sermon series, and that priority is play. Now, I know you're tuning in to hear Randy Roberts as he speaks from his years of pastoral and clinical experience with the deep timbre of his voice that give his sermons such gravitas. And you might be thinking, we've been in this amazing series, talking about serious topics, the importance of God and family and work. And now here comes the long-haired youth minister to wade into the shallow end of the spiritual pool and talk about the importance of playing. You know, you're not wrong about the gravitas of Randy's sermons. But please stay with me, because I'd like to suggest that the act of playing is not as frivolous as we sometimes think, and that it is, in fact, the reason why we were created. To play. A famous and very serious German Reformed theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, has written volumes in systematic theology. But one of his greatest works ever written is a book called A Theology of Play. In this book, he makes a stunning argument, and it is essentially this, that all play is simply the enjoyment of creation with God. I think that statement is incredibly profound. It means that in all moments when we enjoy creation with God, we are playing. So that means when we bake, when we eat, when we do sport, when we sing in a choir praises to God, when we sit in our hammocks in a garden, when we nap on the Sabbath, when we do all of these things, we are playing. And Jürgen goes on to say that we as Christians, our purpose is to play and that we should play as much as we can. Now that's a big claim. But let's consider our history and how we began. The scriptures tell the creation story. It tells of a walled garden that God creates. And after each moment of creation, God says, this is very good. God takes joy in God's own creation. God works hard to make a world and a garden that is full of beauty and order. And once God has ordered the garden, God places humankind in this creation. And the first thing that God does with humankind is to stop working and enjoy the creation on the Sabbath with us. That is, in the language of Maltman, God plays with us. Humankind is then told to tend the garden because there is work to be done. But he commands that every seven days we stop working and rest and play. Let me give you a personal example of this. We are all made in the image of God, and it shouldn't surprise us when we find joy in doing the same things that God does. Four years ago, my wife and I brought a property, and the backyard needed a lot of work. I'd read the Bible, 
and Genesis tells you how to make a garden. So I simply followed along. Because in the beginning, my backyard was very formless and void. So on the first day, I turned on the old sprinkler system, and from the ground came gushing fountains of water. Some sprinklers didn't have heads and fountains 16 foot high erupted. Others were buried under the ground and created rivers and streams. And so in my own human way, I began to separate the water from the dry ground. I moved sprinklers and made space for a lawn. I formed garden beds and set up drip system. We built a deck and dug drainage. And I enjoyed doing this, though it was most certainly very hard work. <laughs> On the second day, it came time for the seeds. We scattered the grass seed and the green grass jumped up. And then it was time to plant all bearing trees. We planted peach and pear and apple and orange trees. And I prayed a prayer of blessing and protection from God for each and every tree that I put in the ground. Dear Jesus, please let this tree live. We planted vegetables and tomatoes and broccoli and cucumber and melons and corn and chive and blueberries and lemon thyme and lemon thyme myrtle and Thai basil. And it was all very good. We planted an Illawarra flame tree that comes up brilliant and red. And we put in a jacaranda tree all bright and purple beside it. We planted silver birch trees with a soft paper bark and leaves that turn a beautiful gold in fall. On the third day, well, actually, probably about the third year, because <laughs> gardens take time, we needed lights in the sky to separate the day from the night over our deck. So we strung strands of light to produce a soft, effervescent glow in the evening. And then we needed shade for the day, and so we strung up retractable awnings that feel like a cafe in Rome. With the trees and the vegetables and the grass and the sprinklers all in, well, then the place began to teem with living creatures. The soil came back to life, and the little servants of the soil began to dig tunnels and break down leaf matter. And then came the bugs and the grubs and the slugs and all manner of creeping things, which brought the birds, and they flew across the vault of our sky. We added a bird feeder out the back, and then the birds were fruitful and multiplied. The little hummingbirds would come and be their usual ornery selves as they fought over the emu bush. Black Phoebes set up a nest under our awning. And we would see them in the evening as they picked up the insects from our lawn and took them back to their babies. Our little backyard began to teem with all creatures that move along the ground. Wild animals, cats, <laughs> lots of cats, sitting right beside our bird feeders. Skunks wandering by. Squirrels stealing our fruit, lizards sneaking into the house, but it was all very good. Now, my wife and I, uh, we had already made two little children in our own images. <laughs> and as an aside, I think there is some justice in the universe where when, as a parent, you have to raise a very tiny version of yourself. And we took them and we put them in the garden. And I thought it was very good. I loved my garden, and I thanked God for letting me tend God's earth. After many months of working very hard in our garden, I was able to take this photo. This is a photo of our little family eating watermelon 
on the deck in summer on Friday night. It was the end of the week and we had worked, but now it was time for something different. This picture, I think, is a picture of the greatest moment in my entire life. We stopped working and we played. We sat there in the shade of the trees. We watched the birds jump between the trees. The smell of jasmine and the scent of fresh flowers filled the air. And in that moment, we enjoyed our creation. We played. After we finished eating the kids as they do, they just came up with these endless, hilarious little games. My daughter that evening was running around pretending to be a pufferfish, and my little boy was jumping off the decks. See, we had put huge amounts of work into this garden so that we could simply just enjoy the garden for what it is. We didn't make the garden so that we could serve the garden. We didn't rest in the garden for the purpose of continuing to work in the garden. No, we made the garden to enjoy it. We worked at it so that we can at some point stop working in it and just take pleasure in it. So that we can sit there and say, this is very good. And as we ran around with our kids playing their games, our garden had reached its ultimate reason for existing. See, I believe work is vitally important, but it has a purpose beyond itself. A car is fixed so that the car can move people and people can travel. Food is planted so that it can be eaten and enjoyed. Hospital staff heal people so they can enjoy their health. See, the purpose of work is, is not work, but enjoyment. And enjoyment, play, it's its own purpose. We made our garden to play in it and to enjoy it. It's Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 25 that says, There is nothing better for a person than that they should eat and drink and find enjoyment in the work of their hands. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? Throughout the Bible, there are all these themes of Sabbath and festivals and feasts and hospitality and dance and friendships and rest that are commanded that we keep and celebrate. They form such a significant part of the Bible that I believe that they're an essential part of Christian life and flourishing. So yes, we were created for board games with our family, for church potlucks, for congregational singing, for hikes, for mountain biking, for gardening, for raindrops and roses and whiskers on kittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my ah, favorite things. But here's an important question. Does that mean that we should just be pleasure-seeking? Should we live like hedonists? Should we spend our lives only seeking pleasure after pleasure? Well, here's the warning. Even though play is a vital part of our existence and our communion with God and our community, there are ways that we can misuse our drive to play and seek enjoyment. See, the misuse of play can creep in when we put play out of order. Earlier, I made the big claim that play may be our purpose for existing. 
But why then is it last on our list of four priorities in this sermon series? God, family, work, and then lastly, play? Well, here's the thing. Play must be put in its proper place. For example, if I seek pleasure before God, well, then pleasure becomes an idol, an idol that replaces God. When you worship pleasure as an idol, ironically, you will lose your joy in pleasure and play as well. Because play without God cannot make you whole. For example, I remember as a young kid attending camp meeting in Brisbane and hearing the testimony of Pastor Nick Cross and how he came to faith. He told of how he grew up on the north shore of Sydney, surfing with his mates, none of whom, though, believed in God. He recounts seeing his friends get violently angry when the swell wasn't just right, or if they missed a wave. Their relentless pursuit of the next thrill took the place of larger meaning in their lives. And so they were desperate for it, but it was clear that surfing really didn't fill the space that was left by the absence of God. It was this desperation that began to show Pastor Cross that there might be more to life. Seeing his friend's failure to find true meaning in pleasure, well, at that point, Pastor Nick began looking elsewhere, and he has a beautiful story of how he found faith in God. After coming to faith, Pastor Nick described how he loves surfing even more now, which is nice. It's an exchange, a moment between him and his creator, but he continues to place God first in his life. Play must be put in its proper place. Consider what happens if we put play before family. Maybe you go and play golf for six hours every weekend when you're a husband and a father and your family needs you at home. Or maybe they want to be able to be included in your play. Or perhaps the activity itself is causing you damage to yourself or your family and those around you. Maybe you think you are better at picking the winners than you really are and your gambling addiction is taking food off the table. See, when you put your pursuit of enjoyment or pleasure above your legitimate responsibility to those around you, well, then you're not playing well with others. Or what about work? If you go to work and goof off, <laughs> leaving necessary work undone, or playing while leaving work for others to do so that they're unable to rest and play when they should? Listen, we're not called to work endlessly, but we are called to tend the garden, as it were, to create and bring order in the sphere in which we live. But if there is only play and never work, then play becomes out of order. So yes, this series is correct. God first, then family, then work. And when you put play in its rightful place, it becomes the reflection and the fulfillment of these other priorities. But how then do we play well? If it is integral to our purpose as God's creation, how do we fulfill that purpose? We talked about one way already, like Pastor Nick Cross, who was able to grow closer to God through surfing once he put God first in his life. Another way, though, is when our play creates community. Play can be so holy when it brings people together. 
and some of my favorite and most purpose-filled moments in youth ministry have been in play. Like when after a week of hard work and diligent study, on a Friday afternoon, we go down to Lake Paris with friends and families and the church community, and we just simply go water skiing. The large church group with mums and dads and uncles and grandparents all meeting down by the water with snacks and towels, and would spend the afternoon teaching kids how to wakeboard and ski. When they'd finally stand up, would be like, yay, you're walking on water like Jesus, well done. <laughs> would put them on tubes behind the boat and not stop until they fell off and went skidding across the water eventually popping up looking like drowned rats, but laughing. Then at sunset, would open Sabbath altogether, standing there on the shore as the sun sets over the water. The next day in church, we'd all sit together and complain about our bruises and sore necks, but we were happy. Well, then there's the holiness of potlucks. <laughs> you know, my favorite moment in potluck is this. It's when someone comes up to you and says, have you tried my? It's my favorite exchange in all of church life. When they come and say, listen, you must taste my dish. And so you run over and you taste their dish. And then you talk about the flavors and the recipe. And you both enjoy that little moment. That moment where they have pride in their dish. That moment when you enjoy together the work they've put in to prepare and share the food. These moments are so holy so, so holy, because when we show people that we truly care about their joy, they also believe us when we say we truly care about their sadness and pain as well. So you should play in a way that makes community for that. That is a holy thing. But we should also play as a witness of things to come. See, our play is prophetic. It points forward to another time that is coming. In Zechariah 8, verse 5, God shares a heavenly vision of the coming age when things are put right. It says in verse 5, And the public squares of the city will be filled with the boys and girls playing in its squares. It's such a beautiful vision. This vision of a heavenly city is one where children play. And here is the thing. When we play here on earth, it's an act of rebellion. It's an act of defiance against the ruler of this age. I know right now many of you may be facing uncertainty and loss, particularly in this past year. And it might be hard right now to see how play fits into God's larger plan for you. But in a world that can seem so hell-bent on destroying joy and life, when the people of God play, it's an act of prophetic courage. And it points forward to a time, a time that is coming, when resurrected friends and siblings and parents who are lost will play together once again. They'll play music. Mothers who didn't get to hold onto their children long enough will be able to play those simple, sweet games with their children again. There will be a moment in the kingdom to come when God will give a great big whistle and every pet that was ever lost will come running over a hill uh, ready for just one more game of fetch. People will sing together praises of God. We will feast on the tree of life. We will play tennis games that will be fast and precise, and we will surf for hours in shark-free waters. The people of God play as a prophetic witness for the age that is to come.
So ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, we were created to enjoy this creation with God. So let me encourage you this afternoon, go, go and play well and find joy in these things, for this is the gift of God.